0: Hey, everyone. Welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. My guest today, ESPN's front office insider, Bobby Marks. Bobby, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. On the Gulf Coast of Florida here. An away game here. Home (laughs) game for you doing the podcast. Hey, Bobby, so post-Thanksgiving, when you think of the NBA trade calendar and how teams are processing where they are in the season – How they want to proceed December 15th when uh, free agents who signed the summer can now be traded isn't far off three weeks away. Where do you think your conversations with teams and your experience in the front office, where are teams right now?
1: What teams, uh, do, we did it in New Jersey, Brooklyn, and where teams are looking at it right now is, is that 20 game sample of the season gives you an idea of, of where your team is, unless of course there's a major injury. Uh, and you're waiting for that player to come back. So if you are Toronto, Philadelphia, a little bit different with the Jimmy Butler trade, you have a sense of an idea of where the missing pieces are going to be. Um, and now you're kind of getting your ducks in a row. December 15th, as you mentioned, uh, the restrictions come off uh, free agents. Um, but there are rarely trades that we see right off the bat you know that does not happen once the restrictions are are lifted yeah, that- we, we we always talk about that the 15th date is sort of a magic a landmark
0: date in the calendar and you're right i can't remember it's not like 1201 comes there's a bunch of deals ready to be done and they go through it's never been that way
1: no there hasn't been i think there's been um i went back and looked at it and the, there's been like four trades in the last four or five years um, and they were not high-level trades. Uh, Anthony Tolliver, I think, was traded on Christmas. Ish was traded Christmas Eve. Um, really minor, uh, minor trades. We saw the Jimmy Butler trade uh, a few weeks ago, and that was more of based on circumstances. Yeah,
0: they were forced to do it.
1: Uh, Eric Bledsoe a year ago, based on circumstances. Um, so you you do have uh, we have a little bit of a holding pattern. You know, I talked to a team on um you know Monday, or Tuesday, and. Uh, but there is a sense that there is a little more urgency with within the league um, based on, you know, trying to move some pieces around. Um, we We also have a little bit of a holding pattern also because we've got most of the leagues that's going to be free agents next summer. So we've got, you know, if you're moving contracts, you know, 50% of these players are going to be, you know, free. It's an expiring contract. So... Is there some uh, scenario out there where uh, maybe cap space is not as much of a priority for you in uh, in July, where you go out and you get a player that has multiple years left on your con- on his contract that maybe eats away, but it can help you you know win right now?
0: You said I think the percentage of guys who can be free agents next summer it's 46 percent, forty nine percent, forty nine percent, yeah. Which is we're starting to see the as contracts have gotten shorter in the league there are more short deals and it is just a revolving door in and out of free agency half the you know almost every other year every player is going to be in free agency
1: well and and the interesting thing will be too uh, you know for free agency is that what happens when if some of these marquee teams miss out on free agents are we going to just see the pattern again where we're going to see one year contracts roll it over to the summer of 2020 when the cap goes up to 116 and it's not as great of a free agent class. Draymond Green and, you know. I mean, I don't even want to put Anthony Davis in that that mix because either he'll be signed up in New Orleans or he'll be traded. Or he'll be traded. He just will not. He will not wander off into free agency. Yeah, They're and, not going to let that. And happen. I had, you know, one team told me because you know we we're going through the list of free agents and then they said basically you you shouldn't put Anthony Davis in the group of 2020 because we're going to know where, where his future is going to be That's come right. come the end of July next year. But I think cap space, um I think maybe that sometimes gets a little bit overrated. Uh, because they're only the few of those handful of impact players out there. LeBron, of course, this past summer, Kawhi Leonard, uh this upcoming summer, Kevin Durant. But there's thirty teams in a league and those are only two players. So if you can be more proactive in uh you know, post you know, Jan one to go out and make a trade if it eats up room, I think that's where teams are gonna do.
0: Yeah, and I think the Bradley Beal situation will monitor listen, there's very few teams who wouldn't be interested in Bradley Beal contract the player the age 25 years old his skill set shooting threes I know Washington's fielded a lot of calls since last week and so and I think even prior to that they fielded calls so John Wall is a very different situation I think it's you could count on one hand and probably with just a couple fingers places that really might have interest in taking his contract down and what it all means to bring him in I would never say there's no market for John Wall but I think Bradley Beal is just a much broader market and uh but I don't think that's something that if Washington was gonna do something, I think they'd play it out. They'd have to get every last asset they could for Beal if they decided to do that. But you like you said, the Jimmy Butler this year, Eric Bloodsoul last year, they were situations where teams were forced or felt compelled to trade those places and a lot of it this year is gonna get back to teams start to separate themselves as buyers and sellers. We're not gonna be in the playoff chase. We are in the playoff chase, and I think this year there are so many teams who are hovering and who feel like, because the West, the bad teams in the West all of a sudden are in contention to make the playoffs, that were teams that we thought would be the bad teams, teams in the past who've been in the lottery, all of a sudden are looking in. Golden State's got seven losses, and Houston has played better lately, struggled. Utah, who we thought could be a two-seed, maybe at worst a three-seed, has really struggled, and when those teams aren't winning, someone else is winning those games. And so you have this group of teams now and, and certainly in the East, Orlando is in first place this week and <laughs> in, in the Southeast. So I think there's lots of teams trying to figure out who are we and, and then like, what are our goals? Are we looking to get guys off or do we want to, can we add a player and get in the playoffs? Cause for a team like Orlando, getting in the playoffs is really important. It's important as an organization. They've been out of it for so long. Um, they don't care about a draft pick. They care about. Like the credibility of, of what that would mean for them. And it's not a crazy thought right now for them to get in
1: and east. No, you're right. I mean, you look at what, uh, Steve Clifford's been able to do in, um, in Orlando and they've got a, a bear of a Western coat, but he has squeezed everything out of that group, which really doesn't have a point guard. Um, and you know, I, I saw them the other night against Toronto that take, took them down to the wire and they had won, I think five or six before that. And they're an interesting case because they've got some players. Uh, Terrence Ross, Nicole Vucevic, some veteran guys on expiring contracts where if Toronto was, I mean, if Orlando was 3-13 and 13 right now, we could say, yeah, let's circle their names. Yeah, But those players won't be in play until Feb 1.
0: Terrence Ross has been terrific under Steve Clifford and Vucevic. And, and you mentioned Cliff. His first year in Charlotte, they had a 20-plus win improvement to me he's kind of the buck showalter of the nba he brings organization and discipline and he takes what's a very loose maybe unstructured team and brings order to it and he's certainly done that again in orlando
1: well and and when when i was there on uh, on tuesday night you know i was talking to uh, you know uh, you know an assistant coach for that team and i said what's what's the difference between this team and last year, and, and the thing they they said was, they, they bought in. The play, he goes, it's easy when guys bought in and the losses bother you the next day. But we, we, we turn around, we practice and, and we go from there. And, you know, they've gotten, you know, Aaron Gordon has played at a high level here. And I've gone back, you know, they, that my big question for them is who's running point guard? You know, you have DJ Augustin, you know, Darren Grant, and but Cliff's been able to basically, with the same roster and Mo Bamba, mm-hmm. of course, um, squeeze everything out of this group uh, as possible, and, and has gotten a you know a career year out of Terrence Ross. Yeah, and I think when we start
0: to look to it, the teams that will want to improve themselves, and I think where you're going to see teams who might be slotted anywhere from two to five, do they sense vulnerability at the top? And if you're in either conference right now, now I don't know if there's anybody in the West who really believes this is going to last with Golden State. If all of a sudden I still think most believe when they're healthy and if the relationships need to continue to be mended, even if they're not that they're too talented. What will be interesting is, you know, teams like Portland, you know, does Utah just get, does their improvement come internally? Do they look at some things outside and Houston's always going to look. They're always Houston's always going to be on the market. But but I think there's more. If you're Golden State right now, I think there are more threat. There it might feel like there are more threats to you in the Eastern Conference among the elite than than the West. Um, although Oklahoma City's started to play a lot better and they caught a great break with Diallo only being out a couple weeks with ankle injury. He's been a revelation for them. Fits how Billy Donovan's wanted to play this year: fast, um, up and down. Dennis Schroeder's been tremendous. And, uh, I'm still, Sam Presti turning Carmelo Anthony's contract into Dennis Schrute this summer was, I thought, still the move of the summer.
1: It was the under the radar move that got noticed at the time. And then after that, it was like, we moved on to something else. And I have, I got, I have something coming out for next week where I looked at, you know, some of the, the, these moves that have impacted the first 20 games. And we really didn't talk about, but you turned into Carmelo Anthony who was going to be stretched and waved. So his you know nine million dollar that was going to sit on your books for the next you know three years into Dennis Schroeder who was five and one when Russell what Russell Westbrook was out and and went out and put gave put thirty two on Golden State the other night off off the bench into a player that can contribute instead of you know sitting on um on and dead money but yeah I mean that that addition but just circling back to Golden State real quick. It's interesting. I'm, I'm, you look back on Bob Myers, their general manager's track history. He's never made a trade during this run in season. Never. Anything they've done has been in the off season, either probably at the night of the draft, buying picks. And their big addition will happen when Cousins comes back, and right. we'll see how that impacts. Yeah. But I, I think I look at that Golden State team. My my big question with with them was always regular season depth versus playoff depth. Two big different things. When you roll out, you know your top eight. When we get into April and May, Iguodala, Livingston off the bench, probably Cousins versus you know Quinn Cook, Jonas Durepko, you know Damian, Lee, you know players like Damian Jones. Um, and they, they just got to get through. You got to get your your horses back healthy. And you know they are when they are they're you know they're the best team in the NBA. But you just got to get through this right now.
0: Today's episode of the WojPod is brought to you by Sonos. Meet Sonos Beam, the smart, compact soundbar for your TV and newest addition to the easy-to-use home sound system. Play everything you love, enjoy music, radio, movies, TV, podcasts, and more. Sonos supports over a 100 streaming services. You can use AirPlay to enjoy sound from your iPhone or iPad. It has brilliantly clear sound and Beam fills the room with rich sound. Easy to set up, beam connects to your TV with just one cord and syncs with your existing remote. The Sonos app walks you through step-by-step. Amazon Alexa is built in. Get hands-free control of your music and more. Start a playlist, skip tracks, and pause simply by asking out loud. Connect Sonos speakers over Wi-Fi anytime. Put sneakers in different rooms and listen to music in one and a podcast in another. Or send sound from your TV everywhere so you never miss a second of the action. And Sonos speakers are simple to set up, but if you don't want to even bother with that, we'll send someone to do it for you. That's right. If you live in any major metropolitan area, Up and Running will have a Sonos expert deliver and set up your system absolutely free. Just order from Sonos.com, S-O-N-O-S.com, and select Up and Running at checkout if you qualify. We haven't even mentioned Memphis, which is at the top of the West. And they've been – listen, this is how they hoped it would go, that they'd get back a healthy Gasol and Mike Connolly. And Jaron Jackson, the rookie from Michigan State, has exceeded their expectations. And plenty of GMs in this draft had told me they thought Jackson had a chance to be the best player in this draft over the long term. But I don't think anybody thought he'd be this good offensively. They knew he'd rebound, he'd block shots. But he's come along offensively, and he's been tremendous. And that's the idea of you know sometimes when you you're in the playoffs for a very long time, you have some injuries, you get devastated with them, you drop down in the lottery, you get a player like that, and you get right back in the playoffs. That's that's how ideally the lottery is to be used. You know you don't have that you don't live in it. And J.B. Bickerstaff has done just a great job with that group. He's got that organization back on track. They have an identity again. And and so much of it is is health. I mean, there's no question. Connolly and Gasol are still showing that these are still two elite players in the league.
1: You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll jump on Memphis in a minute, but it's almost like what Miami probably needs to do. What Memphis did last year, and I know that's not in their Pat Riley's DNA or Eric Spolster's DNA. Um, but that's a team that's kind of just spinning the wheels right now, and you you almost have to get get into that you know that one to five range, hit on a player. And then I, they'll be back in the playoffs next year. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it's that's, hard their, for them to that's, do. that is not easy. But with, with Memphis, I had a scout text me after they played Indiana game one and they lost by what 30 and said, um, Marcus and Mike Conley are so disengaged right now. And that, that was one of my notes going into the season. Can the, can, J, um, you know, JB Bickerstaff keep these guys engaged? And, but what they've been able to do is, you know, Conley's healthy, Gasol, um, Jaron Jackson, Garrett Temple has been great for them. One another mm-hmm. under the radar yeah. transactions mm-hmm. and Shelvin Mack, a, well, I, I call them those second chance players. Well, maybe yes. fourth yeah. or fifth chance yeah. players. he have yeah. been on so many teams has really given them, um, give them the boost. And as the league went into this, you know, up and down style, pace is higher. They know who they are, what their roster is. We're going to yeah. slow you down yeah. and basically kind of like punch you in the mouth. Yeah. And that's how we're going to play. What does Tim McMahon call them? The, the <laughs> mudslinging.
0: mud-slinging <laughs> the mudslinging Memphis Grizzlies. It's like, I always laugh every time he tweets that. The Markel Fultz situation, Bobby, uh, it continues to be unlike anything we've seen in the league. And he's left the team now. He's going to go see a specialist this coming week. I think you're clearly for the first time seeing that the organization and his agent and he are, are not aligned in, I shouldn't say aren't aligned in treatment, but the team has made it pretty clear. They don't think he's injured. I think faults thinks there's something or his group thinks there's something that needs to continue to be looked at. But regardless, the marching orders have changed in Philadelphia with the addition of Jimmy Butler. When they brought in Butler, what that organization was saying to Brett Brown was, okay, we're winning now. TJ McConnell is going to probably play more as the backup. They can count on him more right now. And they're trying to win. And, and I think with faults, I wouldn't say they've given up on him. They, they can't because I think they still know that it's, it's there in him. Um, if they can get it out, they've seen the reasons they drafted him and they moved up. They've seen those reasons. Um, but I think right now, that organization is focused on winning tonight's game and that's not going to coincide necessarily with allowing Markel to play through this anymore.
1: No, I mean, the Jimmy Butler trade sped up the timeline. Um, I think free agency showed them this summer that you, it is not easy going out acquiring a player, um, with cap space that you got to go out and acquire them in a the trade if it's worth, you know, giving up something. Um, I've seen Marco Fultz four times in person. Um, you know, I, I never want to question if a player is injured or not, but I saw him in a more comfortable role backing up Ben Simmons, not playing with Ben Simmons. I think you saw that when they made the Butler trade, you know, he went to the bench, but there are certainly times this year, the most recently, um, where, you know, Brett Brown's got a comfort level with TJ McConnell as your backup point guard and on the floor. Um, we saw that in Detroit a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago in that overtime loss, um and do, is Markel Foltz still part of the future I, I believe he is but they're in the business of winning games right now and th- from a developmental standpoint I don't want to say f- pushing Fultz to the side but you know they're going to go into that mindset you know we're not going to put Markel Fultz in the uh, in the fourth quarter to see if he can figure it out right we're not maybe you could have done that if you're a 500 team and you're t- it's a feel good story but right now, that team, that goal, of that team is to get a top four seed and, and compete in a, in a wide open Eastern Conference.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think too, if Markel Fultz goes somewhere else, he's got a lot of capital with that group of players. They've been very, uh, for the most part, very understanding and and they've embraced him and they've they like him personally. And I think that's been helpful for him through this. He's got a great relationship with TJ McConnell, who you know, two guys competing for the same minutes and. I'm not sure it would be like that somewhere else. If Markel Fultz walked in the door somewhere else, there wouldn't be that investment with teammates, and and I think that environment's important to him, especially at this age. You know, I think Brett Brown showed he he's cared about him, and Brett's that's one of his strengths as a coach is building relationships beyond just coach-player. He's a little more like a college coach in that way. I think he thinks of, of the Spurs; they think of it as a program more than a franchise, and I think they've that's been the case with Fultz, and so I think. Going forward, that's helpful to Fultz as long as he's there. But even if they decided to trade him, my sense is that they would struggle to get a first-round pick for him. I don't know that that would be out there. I think there would be teams who would take him on to try to see if they could unlock something with him. But I don't think anybody's giving up a whole lot. And so I think it doesn't behoove the team to just move him right now.
1: No, it doesn't. I mean, I don't know if there's a big enough body of work for a team that's interested in him to give up. First round picks, which as you, as you see now are, you know, rare, rare to come by. There's not many outstanding picks, um, that are owed. And, and I think, you know, with, with Fultz, it, it was, you know, when the report came out, um, about seeing a second opinion or seeing another doctor, I think it was a punch to the gut of the front office and, and the coaching staff that had put so much investment in him and had walked him slowly through this last year and, and through now and was the best interest where, as you mentioned, I, I don't know if that will be the case if he is traded somewhere else. I mean, the acquiring team is going to want to put him out there for 30, 35 minutes and you're likely going to a rebuild. I mean you're probably going to a team that, you know, has not won many many games there and um it will be an int- it's a fascinating story, uh, it's one that Philadelphia gave up a lot for. And we're not and it's not being mentioned as much because that Sacramento team is playing well. Mm-hmm. I mean if that Sacramento team was 2 and 14 right now, that pick that they traded to Boston as part of it, we'd be talking a lot more about it. But right now it's really faults for Tatum. Um, and Tatum struggled a little bit this year too. Um, but they've, they, there is a lot of capital invested in Markel.
0: Let's say in Philadelphia, let's say he comes back from this and he, Markel comes back and is active again, but he's not going to play much in Philly if that's what were to happen. Do you think there's a benefit to him getting minutes in the G League?
1: I don't. I think practice, I think it's, A, it's depending on where your, how your practice is scheduled. Uh, I mean, I think practicing what your NBA team is, as good as going down to play in Delaware right now. Um, if there's a point where later in the year where, you know, we're, there's a combination of a lot of back to back games and he's not playing at all and he's basically in the gym by himself with the trainer, then may, maybe there is a time. But I, I, I do think there is, you know, I, I mentioned the body of work, you know, there are, there's that small sample of him when he has the ball in his hands and he is the, you know, the primary point guard on a court. He, there are some good things there. You know, I mean, we certainly scrutinize his free throw shooting and his ability to get to the rim and, and, and certain things. Um, but if I, I would be more hesitant sending him down um, to the G League right now I, because I think how the schedule and how the league has set it up now where there's not many back-to-backs anymore, that you are practicing more. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is
0: brought to you by Omax Health. So I'm sure all of you listening out there have felt intense brain fog and a lack of motivation at some point during the day. It's always around that 3 p.m. mark right after lunch when you're staring at a blank computer screen at work, clueless about what to tackle next. Our minds are constantly clogged as we're sorting through random incoming thoughts from each and every direction. If we could only shut down those distractions, sharpen our focus, and zero in on what's actually important. If you're thinking to yourself right now, yes, that is me, I experienced this, then you must try my recommended solution to improved all around crystal clear thinking that is Omax Cognitive Boost, a game changing 100% certified and tested supplement designed to fuel peak performance by boosting memory focus and energy output. I'm talking about getting to Bradley Cooper's level in the movie Limitless. So before I forget, Omax is offering my listeners 60% off a one month supply of Cognitive Boost plus free shipping and that 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to omaxboost.com slash today to take advantage of these incredible savings. That is o-m-a-x-b-o-o-s-t dot com slash woj for 60% off a one-month supply. You might be wondering, too, how does this one simple supplement give me these alleged superpowers? Well, the secret is the dual-action and breakthrough technology of two powerhouse ingredients called Alpha and Omega. You may have heard of omega-3s before? Well, this formula uses high DHA, which is the omega-3 that is critical to brain health and supporting key cognitive functions. It's combined with alpha-GPC, which is the key to faster neurotransmission. Basically, it improves your mind-body connection. All of these ingredients are safe, natural, and backed by years of clinical research. You'll feel instantly energized with no jitterness or crash. So if you're ready to optimize your mind and body to its fullest potential, you need to try OMAX Cognitive Boost. Go to OMAXBoost.com slash Woj today to get 60% off a one-month supply, plus free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's OMAX, O-M-A-X-B-O-O-S-T dot com slash Woj today to get 60% off a one-month supply, plus free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. OMAXBoost.com slash Woj Terms and conditions do apply. Bobby, here's something I've talked to some GMs about lately and a couple of players and uh, maybe some, even some agents. The things that we're reporting on that have gone on in locker rooms going on within teams. We reported on the Golden State after the KD and Draymond situation. We, Mark Spears and I reported on what was going on in the locker room. We reported on John Wall getting fined for lighting into Scott Brooks in a practice last week and Jimmy Butler, you know, we got out of Minnesota. What was going on in practice there is for different times that first day back and on. And it's sort of, I don't know if it's a rhetorical question, but like, are we, and this is what I've kind of gone back and forth with some guys. Is it gotten worse? Is there something worse going on in locker rooms within team dynamics, or are we just covering it differently now that it was covered? My sense is we're covering it differently. More stuff's getting out. But I also do think this is true. I do think the coach, I think it's harder than ever to be a coach in the NBA. I think his power has been eroded. And I think players, a lot of guys, feel like they either answer, if it's not just to the GM, they have their own relationship with the owner or the group around the owner, and that's who they answer
1: to. And I think they see the coach as a little more obsolete. I think it's the same then it was in o three o four. I think we're covering it differently. You know, I mean, I just look back in New Jersey when we had, you know, Richard Jefferson and Kenyon Martin, you know, openly mock Alonzo morning right before he's about to go have like a kidney transplant and practice and challenge them to a fight. And I don't think that got out. It got out.
0: <laughs> it might have gotten out the next day, Bobby. That one got out because didn't the media walk in at the end? That's of it? right, Some, they did. The they media. Did walk in. Did, this that may have happened in front of the media.
1: I think no. you're right. It did, or, walk, it, or it, the it,
0: aftermath of it.
1: That that's right. Or I'll, I'll give you a good one. <laughs> the uh you know o three o four before Byron got fired, we play in Memphis, get our doors blown off. And there is like a mutiny in the locker room of yelling and screaming. I think maybe some of the reporters heard it a little bit, but really nothing came out of it. You know, the interesting thing part of like how things are now is the, is the general manager player dynamic where players are not afraid to challenge general managers. We saw it in, in uh, Minnesota with Jimmy Butler.
0: Openly so with Washington. Scott,
1: yeah. Scott Laden and Tom Thibodeau. We saw it in Washington with John Wall or Bradley Beal and Ernie Grunfeld where, the, yeah, there is an empowerment of, of players and it is not easy. Um, it is not It easy. happened in Cleveland last year. In Cleveland last year um, where players, yeah, they are empowered to um, you know challenge the gentleman. Did, did Jason Kidd in, in uh, New Jersey do it with Rod Thorne? He did. But Jason basically would walk up to Rod's office and shut the door and what was said between they, they the two. They did in of them, private. Yeah, yeah, was was done in private where now everything is, um, so, so out in the open. And I think we're, now we're in a day of, you know, social media and I think there's a lot more, you know, a lot more coverage we're putting on the league, um, that it, a lot of it did happen, but I think it's, it's how we're, we're covering it now.
0: Yeah. I do think again, a big part of it is you have more owners than ever that are hands on that are involved, that have relationships with the players. They're at the games every night, they're courtside, they're in the locker room, they're with the team. That's why they bought the team. They like to be around. That players know that increasingly the owner's making decisions on trades, on free agency, and you know, they figure out like that's the guy that I need to get to know. That's the guy that I need to have the relationship with. And if I don't like something that's going on, that's who I'm going to. And I do think that's affected the dynamic around teams.
1: Oh, it has. I mean, certainly when you are um, when you are struggling, the relationship is, between an owner and a player that there's a comfort level there. You know, the player could, is likely going to go to the owner. You know, um, the, the player in Brooklyn wasn't going to go to Bruce Ratner. <laughs> I mean, it, or um, you know, the Seacook is seven. Those guys, you know, those guys, you would go right to the um, to the uh, to, to the head coach here. But. Um, you know, the situation in, in, in Washington where, you know, they've invested a lot of money and a lot of players here. Um, you know, Porter, Wall, Beal. And, you know, I, I, sometimes you wish that, um, you know, and I, I think, I think players are well educated in, in the CB, I think they're more educated now at CBA salary cap where, when you are getting your money, it has such an impact on what the, how you feel the rest of your team, and that puts a lot of pressure on, um, you know, on, on your general manager.
0: Bobby, one other thing you mentioned to me the other day, and I, I think it's right on, and it's right on with what I've been hearing too, but you brought up the point of buyout players this year. Now, this is early in the year for guys to be getting buyouts, and usually it's very often it's after the trade deadline. Teams will try to trade a player up until the trade deadline, but after that, the buyout could come, but they can come sooner. Tyson Chandler was an example um, in Phoenix where they just allowed him to have his buyout earlier in the year. You know, a player, for example, Robin Lopez, who I think Wendell Carter is their future and he's playing great. And, you know, Robin Lopez has such value on a good contending team. He does all the little things and, and some of the just he'll have value for a team trying to win. And whether they were able to move him by the trade deadline or, I mean, if you put him on the buyout market, everybody would love to have him. And you look at some other teams that may be out of it and other buyout players on Phoenix, are there more buyout players on New York? But I think Minnesota, Anthony Tolliver drops out of the rotation there. It's unlike Tom Thibodeau to just let somebody leave. He's going to probably want to keep him around. But Anthony Tolliver would have great value around the league I think that becomes sort of the secondary trade market and and then you look at the team, and think, okay, what are the teams that will be really appealing to the buyout player? Philly's got the roster spot now, they'd like to get a four man in there and they can try to do it via trade. I mean, do they hold it open for the season and wait for, you know, a buyout player later? Cleveland, you know, may have some. So I do think like you said, especially if these guys aren't moved, I think there's a greater feeling there's gonna be a a host of players available in that way this year.
1: You're right. And, and in just talking with teams that, you know, the buyout market has become the second, it's almost like an MLB that, that waiver claim, you know, period after um, the trade deadline where we could have 12 to 13 players in play buyout wise, Um, you mentioned Robin Lopez, um, Zach Randolph in Sacramento, possibly, uh, Kosas Kufas, who's, you know, has not played as much in, uh, Sacramento. Um, I would have put Amon Shumpert in that group, but he's played certainly well this year and that team's playing well. And he's, you know, he's averaging 25, 26 minutes a night, um, you know, you look at what happens in New York with Ennis Cantor. That's a hard contract to move, even though it's an expiring, just because it's, it's an 18, 19 million dollar, um, number there. Um, you know, you look at, you mentioned Cleveland. J.R. Smith is not as easy to move now. I think he's got more value after the season. If you are a team, um, looking to move money, the clear cap, because of that, um, he's got a partial number and his, his numbers, you know, to move, but, you know, he's making 15 million dollars right now. Um, and there's not that many $15 million guys that if you're Cleveland, do you want money for next year? Maybe you go that route where you're in a rebuild and you can yeah. get something back with him.
0: And Wesley Matthews in Dallas, who they've been trying to trade for since last year. Now he's an expiring deal. If he doesn't end up in a trade, is he a buyout player for the Mavericks? Is he available to teams? And so, and then Carvello Anthony in a lot of ways may be treated in that way. If there's not a team here in the near future that, wants to claim him on waivers, if Houston finally puts him on waivers and a team claims him. That's part of the motivation, right, Bobby, for Houston holding on to Carmelo Anthony right now is financial.
1: Oh, of course, because if, you know, if he's waived and claimed, you know, the team, you know, takes, incurs that cap hit and that helps Houston off. I mean, they're a luxury tax team and the likelihood is that they will have to sign another play or possibly convert maybe the two way of, of Gary Clark. Um, so financially, they are also trade. Um, you saw this past summer, um, you know, they made a trade and attached, they still have some cash to do so. So is there a team out there that's way under the luxury tax to take his, you know, it's a minimum contract, um, and, and take that, um, and take that on. I think the last resort would be them to waive him outright and then take on the full, um, take on the full cap hit. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a certainly a movable, um, it's a movable contract because it's by the time, uh, December fifteenth will come around. Um, you know he won't be owed as much. I think he'll be owed about a million million dollars on there. And the interesting thing is that you know waving him now is, is that the claim order is based on the seventeen eighteen standings. You know you wave him post. You know, if that's where they go, then it's going to be reflective on you know the current standings at, at at the time there. So I think you're kind of in a wait and see with Carmel. I don't. I would be surprised if anything happened before December, unless unless a team like Miami says we are. You know, you have feel a feeling that they are they would be willing to, to claim him.
0: Yeah, Carmel is going to be back in the league this year. I have no doubt. I, I really don't. I, I think there'll be a a job for him. How significant of a role that remains to be seen. In the team. Um, But I do think what he's trying to figure out now is it's got to be the right team. It's got to be a place where it makes sense, and it's not going to be somebody else isn't going to just pull the plug a few games in and say this isn't working. I don't think he wants to that to be his existence in the league now, but I, I do think there's a team for him. Support for the Woj Pod comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. Let's talk about buying a home. It can be one of the most important purchases you'll ever make. But today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher payments, which can turn a great experience into an anxious one. That's why Quicken Loans created their exclusive power buying process. Here's how it works. They check your income, assets, and credit to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer, making your offer more attractive to sellers. Once verified, you qualify for their exclusive rate shield approval they lock your interest rate for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. Then, once you've found the one, if rates have gone up, your rate stays the same. But if rates have gone down, you get to keep that new lower rate either way you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash woge. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-day purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records, equal housing lender license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumer.org, number 3030. And the other thing, too, Bobby, I think is how this season plays out. The new draft lottery rules that go into effect this year, how does that impact how teams play down the stretch where now you have the bottom three teams have a 14% chance of getting the number one overall pick. That's been flattened out. It used to be a descending order. And so how does that impact down the stretch, whether it's R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson? Those aren't the only players people are targeting, but how does that impact this season, how teams play, what tanking looks like? And I think that's for the league. They changed odds elsewhere in the lottery to, like, let's see how it impacts behavior. And that's something the league will be looking at this year. I think there were people who wanted them to go further in lottery reform. And I think what Adam Silver thought was, well, let's take it this far, see how it impacts behavior, how teams, and then make a judgment about whether we need to go further with it.
1: And it will be interesting, too, that you have teams like Chicago. And, you know, I remember listening to John Paxson at the end of the year in his press conference, post-season press conference, basically say, like, we'll never do this again. We're never going to go through a season like this. And for them, it's it, it circumstances are going to make them go through a season like that based on how many injuries they've had with uh, Laurie Markkinen. Uh, they've had Denzel Valentine. Um You know, guys have been uh, – uh, Chris Dunn has been out where they're going to get to a point of the year where – In reality, the best thing for them to do is to finish in the bottom three. As much as they don't like it, maybe they handle it differently. And probably, Robin Lopez won't be on a team by then. Um, But if you are looking at um, you know New York, Phoenix, um, you know Cleveland, that, that how the system is set up is for you to bottom out and finish in that top three. And two, you're not going to get a guy in free agency. Maybe New York, possibly, um, with cap space. But you know, th- those markets are you got to have to build through the draft. And if you can do it through this year um, with a good class, you know, top heavy, top heavy, good class. Um, that's the way. That's the way to do. It. It's just a matter of how. How do you go about? Um, I think in New York, you're starting to see it where they're playing a lot, a lot of their younger players to try to figure out, uh, you know, you saw Ennis Cantor come off the bench and he was not happy about that. Um, I think you can play. I think you could, you walk the fine line of developing players and also trying to put out a, you know, competitive product.
0: Yeah. Chicago is the one. It's funny. We we talk about cap space and teams that should be enticing on some level to free agents. We don't ever include the bulls in there. They're going to have a lot of cap space and, this may not be the summer for them, but Markkinen, Wendell Carter, that core. Zach Levine. And Zach Levine, yeah. who's been tremendous this year. Forgetting, yeah. That's a group that you say adding a veteran. Again, I don't know if it's the summer of 2019, but that's a core that you – New York would kill for that core to have that to go out in a free agency with right now.
1: Well, you're right. And your window is, you've got a, you know, two, two to three year window do it because you've got, you know, Markins on year two and, and Wendell's on year one. And, you know, the, the Levine contracts, it's a, it's a good number f- for him. Um, and you are going to have plenty of room and it's a big city. Um, and you know, you have three pieces that you can, you can build around. Now, if you get a top four pick to add to that group, um, that's an appealing, that's, that's appealing to free agents. That Jimmy Butler
0: trade worked out fine for the Bulls. It really did. Bobby, great stuff. We will talk plenty more. We'll get closer to the summer 15 date. Certainly trade deadline in February is still a ways off, but I think we know once we get into the summer, deals will start happening.